evidence and answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Is COVID-19 God's judgment on us? Why would God allow this pandemic to come upon the world? And how should we respond in this time of crisis? In today's broadcast, Pat addresses the questions people are asking at this time, and he'll provide his perspective on this pandemic. Now, here's our host, Pat Zucran. Aloha, Pat Zucran here, your host of the Evidence and Answers radio show, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges of today. I don't have to say that we're living in unprecedented times. And one of the most common questions we ask when natural disasters strike is, is this God's judgment? And at this time, many are asking this as we face the rapid spread of a deadly virus. And in these unprecedented times, questions like these abound. So I developed this series, Christ in the Midst of Calamity to address some of the questions being asked and to present a biblical perspective on the times that we face and bring a message of hope in the midst of the difficult times we face and difficult times that are to come. Now, is this pandemic a judgment of God? Well, we know that in the Bible, there are occasions when God used natural disasters, uh, pestilences mentioned specifically as a form of judgment. We see this in 2 Samuel 21 and 24. In 2 Samuel 21, God brought drought upon the nation of Israel for their sin. 2 Samuel 24, God brought pestilence and wiped out a large number of warriors from the nation of Israel. So in the Old Testament, God did use natural disasters as a form of judgment to discipline his people and turn them from a wayward path back toward the path of life and a life of righteousness. In the Old Testament law, God warned his people of the calamities that would come upon them if they turned away from him and followed the evil ways of the pagan nations. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28 speaks of this. God warns his people. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. So that's a warning that was given by God should they disobey him and follow the evil practices of the nations of the land of Canaan. Now, not every natural disaster should be considered God's judgment. Some of the results are just living in a fallen world. Well, is this crisis God's judgment? Well, in addressing this question, it's important to affirm some basic premises about the character of God. First, God is sovereign over all the earth. Now, this means the following, that he is in control of all things, right? Psalm 135 states, for I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth, who makes lightnings for the rain and brings forth the wind from his storehouses. 
So God is in control of all things at all times. Things don't happen that are not under his control. Nothing catches him by surprise. Also, being sovereign also means that his plan is all-inclusive. It includes everything, every detail that goes on. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things, the good and the bad, work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And so all things, even evil and suffering, God uses in his great wisdom to somehow bring about his purpose. And we know in Ephesians 1.14, all things are done for his glory. So God is in control of all things. Second, God remains completely aware, fully aware of all that occurs and is fully present in each event, even to the smallest detail. Matthew 10.29 states that God knows and cares for even the death of a single sparrow. Third, God directs the affairs of the earth. Psalm 33 states, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. So God directs the affairs of the earth. Fourth, God uses all things, even evil and calamity, to bring about his purpose. Isaiah 45, 7, God states, I form the light and create the darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. So even calamity, God allows to occur to bring about his purpose. Proverbs 16, 4, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. So passages like these teach us that God allows moral evil, wicked people, and natural disasters to rise and run its course to fulfill his ultimate purpose. So we may never fully understand the ways of God, but there are lessons he wants his people to learn that should result in life transformation. The ways of God are far beyond us, and sometimes we're not going to understand why we go through the difficult times we go through. Sometimes, you know, it's after it's over. We turn around and we look back and we see and understand why it had to be so. Sometimes it may take years till we finally come to understand God's great wisdom and what he was doing. Sometimes, maybe not in this lifetime, we may not understand why things happened. And we may not understand it in this lifetime until we go to glory there with him. But God uses even evil, suffering, and calamity to bring about his purpose. Fifth, God is love. All that he does, all that he allows is filtered through his loving hands. Now, when a parent has to discipline their child, it's done from love, not rage. Well, actually, it should be from love and not rage or any kind of mean-spirited vengeance or any kind of motivation like that. It should be from love. And parents will tell you, you know, it hurts the parent more than the child. But a good parent knows that in order to steer the child in the right direction from uh, harmful conducts and attitudes, 
into the right direction, discipline is necessary. And many times the child may not understand why things were so, but later as they mature, they look back, many come to realize the wisdom and love behind their parents' discipline and judgment. And it doesn't please God to have to discipline his children. God suffers alongside with us and uses all events, even suffering, to fulfill his purpose in our lives. Six, God is just and righteous. Therefore, he can never do what is evil. There is a perfect balance of love and justice in the character of God. And although God is loving and forgiving, he is also holy and just. Therefore, he deals justly with sin and disobedience. He allows mankind to suffer the consequences of our moral choices, or he may bring calamity upon us. All this with the purpose of upholding his righteousness, but also reproving and correcting our behavior so that we redirect our lives in the direction of life and not self-destruction. Well, what about the crisis we face today then? Well, the crisis we face, I do not believe, is a result of moral evil, that is, evil resulting from the immoral acts of humans, but natural evil, natural disasters which humans often have no control over. God allows both types of evil, but they remain under his control, and they are brought about with his care and to fulfill his purpose. And so at this time, God has allowed this tragedy upon us for a reason which only he knows. And if this is indeed God's judgment upon us, he is certainly justified in doing so. God has been very patient as mankind now for a long time has turned from him and chosen to go against his clear commands. So when God judges, he does so with a balance of love and justice. In love, he wants to steer us away from sin and ultimately a path that leads to our destruction. His just nature judges disobedience and sinful behavior. And although we may not know the fullness of God's plan at this time, he is using this moment to teach us some very valuable lessons. Now, what does he want us to learn? Well, remember, I'm looking at this through the lens of an apologist, all right? So my view will be from this perspective. Now, here's some of the lessons I think we're learning through this time. First, calamities like this expose errors. The error of false hope is exposed at this time. You know, when we turn from God and we place our hope in other things, this is a form of idolatry. And modern man today, you know, we have placed our faith and hope in many idols, such as, you know, money, our career, our possessions, and our own abilities. And through our advances in science and technology, we have come to believe that we can save ourselves. You know, this attitude is espoused in the ideologies of the uh, secular transhumanist movement that I'm steeped in studying right at this time. Many of you may not have heard of transhumanism, but I'll be doing uh, more shows on that. But it is believed that through genetic engineering, we will cure all diseases and we'll be able to create a generation of offspring designed in our image according to what we desire. And we can create them as tall as we want, the color hair, color eyes, on and on. Further, you know, many believe that genetic engineering will solve the aging problem, and we will then attain eternal life. 
AI and biotechnology will enhance our minds. So we will be all knowing like Google and through biotechnology, we'll be creating bionic parts and exoskeletons, creating beings that can accomplish superhuman feats. All right. So that's kind of the transhumanist movement. Actually, you're creating the post-human, a different kind of being. So through the transhumanist movement, the goal is to attain eternal life, Google-like knowledge, eternal bodies, angelic bodies that can do superhuman feats. I mean, with all that we can supposedly do, who needs salvation offered by Christ when we can supposedly attain it on our own? However, catastrophes like this shatter the false hope of a man-made utopia and remind us that we are frail and finite beings. And something as small as a virus that we can't even see is beyond our control and can quickly wreak havoc in our world. False hopes are crushed at times of tragedy. You know, false hope is ultimately devastating to those who embrace its empty promise. And events like this pandemic expose our idols. And God wants us to see the emptiness of hope built on false idols and place our hope where it truly belongs in Him. Another error that's exposed is false teachings. You know, hardships test the metal of one's belief system. Trials can refine one's faith or expose its error. In Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish builder, it was the trials of life that exposed the foundation of sand or rock. One withstood the storms of life while the other crumbled. And one of the false teachings and teachers being exposed at this time, I believe, are the modern-day self-proclaiming messiahs, or those who claim to be God incarnate, or faith healers who claim to have miraculous powers to heal the sick and raise the dead, if you pay them enough money, of course. But where are they now? I mean, throughout the country and the world, we see tens of thousands who are sick and dying from COVID-19. And we certainly could use these healing crusades to cure the ailing from this infection and other diseases. Instead of, you know, mobile hospitals being put up, we need these tent crusades and thousands being healed. Wouldn't it be great, you know, if these men entered into our overrun hospitals and healed the patients and cleared out the hospitals? And we could use some holy handkerchiefs that heal instead of handkerchiefs that we need to use as face masks only to protect. So if ever there was a time for them to shine, it is now. But instead of rising to the occasion, this crisis has exposed the true nature of these false teachers and their teachings. You know, many are seeing the emptiness of atheism and the naturalist worldview. I mean, the voice of the atheists are silent in this tragedy. Because, I mean, what message of hope can an atheist bring? I mean, what can they say? Hey, don't worry. If you die, you'll be extinct. You'll be annihilated. You won't feel or know anything. You, you won't exist anymore. Life is ultimately meaningless, okay? We're here by a cosmic accident, and there's no ultimate purpose for us being here, and so if COVID-19 gets you, well, you'll be extinct, okay? And all the suffering and that we went through, eventually everything, even if we do find a cure for COVID-19, it ends in extinction and annihilation, or I mean, what message of hope is there, all right? And so you saw Millions throughout the world on Sunday 
turning to God and the only message of hope that you're hearing, the only reasonable, valid message of hope is in the resurrection and in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So it's exposing error. Second, catastrophes expose sin. You know, one of the biggest is the sin of pride that says we can do it without God. For too long, we have come to believe that we are in charge. We are the masters of our destinies and the sole rulers of the earth. But events like this remind us who is really in control and who is the rightful owner of this planet. Psalm 24 states, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Psalm 89:11, The heavens are yours. The earth is also yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. Colossians 1.15 says, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, the ruler, the preeminent over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We're reminded that God not only created, but he is the sustainer of all life in the universe. So catastrophes expose our pride and serve to humble us as we are reminded as to who is the true Lord of all creation and how much we need him every day. As great as man's accomplishments have been, really nothing compares to the genius, the power, and majesty of the Lord. And for too long now, God has put up with our arrogance, and it's time we humbled ourselves before the Lord, the true Lord of all creation. Third, catastrophes correct our thinking. You know, when confronted with the threat of death, we are awakened to what is really important in life. And for too long, we have been overrun by materialism, and we have been deceived into focusing on material wealth social status, and possessions, because in them, we believe these will fulfill all our greatest needs and desires. However, when things like this happen, we discover what truly matters. And those are the things that last for all eternity. And really, there's only three things that last for all eternity. God, his word, and the souls of men and women. That's all that matters and that will last for eternity. So at times like this, refocus our lives or transform our minds and learn to live in light of eternity, investing in the things that truly matter. You know, Dr. James Dobson stated that when your last chapter is being written, the things that are gonna matter, it's gonna come down to these. It's gonna come down to God, those you love, those who loved you, and the things you did for God. And sometimes God needs to take away all all that we hold dear in order to teach us what really matters. You know, a friend of mine is a high-powered CFO of a company, and that was his source of self-esteem and security. And he thought his job was secure, but suddenly this crisis hit. Well, suddenly he's no longer traveling or going into his office or being wined and dined at these fine dinners. In fact, his company may not survive this shutdown period. And now the source of his self-identity and security are gone. You know, we had a brief chat over the phone and he's now realizing what's truly important in life and how fragile and frail our economy is and how fragile and frail we are as human beings. And for the first time in his life, he's asking the big questions in life. You know, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? What's really important? Does anything really last forever? You know, he's beginning to ask 
the big questions of life. And isn't that great that a lot of people are asking those questions now? And the only reasonable answer that can give you a solid answer that you can build a foundation on is the gospel of Jesus Christ, really. So it's great to see many people asking those questions, but sometimes that's what it takes. God needs to take away everything we hold dear till we finally realize what's really important and we begin to really ask those big questions of life we should have been asking way back when we were young. And finally, catastrophes, when understood through biblical truth, builds character. You know, as we are humbled, as we rethink what is important to us and our values, we examine our lives in light of God's word and we become aware of where we have fallen short. False thinking is corrected. Bad attitudes are repented of and chained. Sin is identified and turned from. And with a renewed mind and heart, we are able to gain and glimpse new insights into God's word and the things that he is teaching us, we're able to trust God in ways that we never have had to before. And through that, you know, God can transform us in greater ways than ever before. And we can really see the hand of God working in our lives as never before. But sometimes it takes something like this to make it all happen. So through these difficult times, good can come out of it. We are humbled when we are humbled, we realize the emptiness of false ideologies and we're open to God's truth. Now we are seeing a humbling across the nations of the world and many are open to God's truth as never before. And I believe the world is willing to hear God's truth proclaimed and they're watching to see how God's people respond at this time. Well, what is the rightful response? How should God's people respond when catastrophes strike? Many often react by looking for someone to blame, whether it's God, a nation, a leader, or someone else. And we see a lot of that going around in the press today, don't we? But in the Bible, godly men and women responded by humbling themselves and turning to God. And God relented, you know, for example, God relented destroying the city of Nineveh because they responded to the preaching of Jonah. And even the pagan king humbled himself in sackcloth and ashes and called upon national repentance, and they repented before the Lord. That's an example of how we should respond in times like this. You know, second, the godly took time to reflect and examine their lives. Godly men and women examined their heart to see if there was sin that needed to be repented of. David wrote in Psalm 39, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He asked God to reveal his faults and areas he needed to change. David's response serves as a model for all of us. And at a time where life has come to a standstill for many, it's a great time to reflect and examine our lives. Is there sin we need to confess and repent of? As a church, we need to ask, we as a body of Christ, are we tolerating sin in our midst that we must confess and repent of as a body of believers in Christ? Have we been faithfully teaching the whole counsel of God's word, or have we been compromising in areas that don't make us comfortable? Have we been seeking to make disciples, you know, true disciples that Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross daily, die to yourself and come follow me. Or have we been simply building our own little kingdoms? Then as a nation, we must examine ourselves as a country and see if there is sin that we should confess and turn from. 
you know, and after a time of reflection, it's time to repent of sin, seek God's forgiveness, and get our lives right with the Lord. So we should ask ourselves, you know, have we examined our lives and responded as modeled by David? Have we as a church responded in a godly way? And there are many great churches out there today, but also there are many that tolerate sinful behavior, lukewarm commitment to Christ, teaching that only tickles the years and brings in the cash, uh, but does not convict the heart of sin. Many seeking to build their own little kingdoms and not God's. And finally, we need to ask, has our nation turned to God and repented of her sin? run out of time for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download, so be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Oh, 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 oh,